I want to talk to us about the title I call The New System. The New System. Okay. Now, before I go into this, oh, there's something I had in mind to bring as a prop, but I, for, I forgot to do it. But anyway, I can still talk about it. If you have ever tried to make an omelette and you bring 10 eggs and you have nine eggs that are absolutely spot on, fresh, very good, nothing wrong with it, those eggs, and you just break them, take your time, get your whisk and just you whisk it together, just you're so happy. But there's one more. You just you, maybe you wanted to do nine before, but you thought maybe just one more. You added that last one, the tenth one. You took that tenth egg. It looks fresh in the outside. It looks like the rest of the eggs. There's no problem because eggs, when they're rotten, they don't rotten outside. There's a shell, but the inside is rotten. It's not right. It's not. It's out of date. Basically, that's what it is. You break that egg, and you pour it in to your the rest of the eggs. It doesn't matter how big the nine eggs are. That one egg that has just been mixed with the rest spoils the whole lot. What am I talking about now? And I'm talking about mixture. I'm sharing this image just to give you an idea of what mixture does sometimes. When you get something that is out of date and you mix it with 300 things that is in date, somehow you lose integrity of the, the, the whole point you're trying to get or your whole point of what you're trying to achieve. It spoils it. It brings um, things that you don't need in it. So mixture is not necessarily the best for us. Okay, so you'll be asking yourself, why am I talking about the new system and I'm talking about mixture? If there's a new system, then there is an old system. And I'm going to talk to us about mixing two systems. And what, do it, what does it produce? I'm not looking at what it produces, but I'm going to focus today, by the help of the Holy Spirit, on the new system. And by next week, if the Holy Spirit allows me, I think I know the direction already where the message is headed for next week. I'll tell us later. Let's read together our, our text, main text today. In the book of Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to read verse 6 and we're going to come back and read the rest of it later. Or the, the, a, a big chunk of it. So let's read this. One, two, go. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promise. So we're going to stop there for now. I highlighted a few things now that I want you to not zero, you know, last, yesterday when we were talking about leadership, we talked about focus. I want you to focus on a few words that I highlighted there. Number one, a ministry that is what? Far superior. Okay, it's way much better. Now, that ministry is, in that his ministry, what he is, in, uh, was supposed to do, or his purpose, is to come into a business deal, if you like, what, which is what you call a covenant, come into a business deal with God, and that business deal is even far better than any big deal that has been struck with God before, and it is also based on a far better promise. Better covenant? Better promise? Take note of that. We'll probably come back to it. I know we'll come back to it. Now, what's the meaning of covenant? Let's just look at that. Dictionary it, it defines covenant this way. Just for the sake of knowledge, let's just pick up on this. Dictionary meaning of knowledge, oh, sorry, <laughs> dictionary meaning of covenant 
I tend to say conver, conver, but it's actually covenant. So if, I, if you hear me make that mistake, just bear with me. It's something I'm trying to correct. A covenant is a formal written agreement between two or more people or groups of people which is recognized in law. This is dictionary. This is not the Bible. But you will find that even the covenant between God and people became a law. What we call the law ended up be, is actually still the covenant that God struck up. So when we say, are you living under the law, living on other things, you are saying, are you living under the a covenant, this old covenant, or which covenant are you living in? Okay, I'm not going to go into the, the, the um, what's the word? Theology of law and all of those things. But I just want you to see a meaning of covenant. Now, let's read that scripture again, a little bit more. Uh, explanation from that scripture. So we've read verse 6 already. He says, but now Jesus the high priest, a family, a superior, um, if the ministry that is far superior to, uh, to the old priesthood, for he is the one that mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. And verse 7 says, if the first covenant had been faultless, let's pause for a minute. Fault, if it had, faultless means it's actually faulty. Okay. If it's faultless, there would not have been a need for a second covenant to replace it. So the take note of this word, replace. Replace, okay. When you say replace, it means you, you, you've, you don't need this one anymore. This is supposed to replace. Replace doesn't mean to add to. Let's go further. It says, but when God found fault, okay, there's fault in that old covenant. That's why it's been replaced. Where was the fault from? Not from God. Not from God. Fault with people. He said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judea. And Judah, sorry. Not Judea, which is a place. <laughs> and Judah. Um, now, so the fault of the, the issue with the old covenant was with the people. And why is that? It's because the people were not able to fulfill that. We will see that as the message goes on. This covenant is not like, will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, they did not remain faithful to the covenant. So you see why the covenant was faulty. It's not the deal that God was making that was fault at fault. It's the fact that they could not maintain it that made that deal faulty. And so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. I like this scripture. And let me pause for a minute there and explain. Again, words are very, very important here. Obsolete, like I said, it's no longer needed. It didn't stop there. It went further to explain what obsolete means. It's out of date, like the egg I told you about. So if you get one egg that is out of date and you have the, the other nine that is in date, good, but once you start putting that one that is out of date on top of the other ones that is in date, you make a mess. You don't create a wonderful omelette. You create what looks like an omelette but tastes like a spoiled egg. 
Amen. I hope that's sinking in. But it's just one. Only just one, not nine. Okay, and will soon disappear. Why is he saying soon disappear? It's because we're still here on earth. Uh, you know, when I was thinking of this, I thought of, imagine if um, I, I have a, a tool in the house, or maybe a, cook, a cooking utensil in the house that I want to replace. Maybe my wife likes to cook with, in, uh, let's say, uh, red oil. Let's just, for, the, uh, for that, for example. So we have this red oil. It's been there for three years, for example. So she goes to the cupboard, and then she, wants, she uses it, and she realizes, oh, it's spoiled. And then she wants to pour it away. I say, no, 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 don't pour it away. Let's just replace it. I buy a new one. We replace it. Then I take the old one because we maybe I don't want to spoil our drainage. Um, I'm probably going to take it to the tip so we can dump it properly, not pour it into the drain. So therefore, guess what I did? I took it and took it out of the kitchen and I went to the garage and I opened the garage and I stored it in the garage so that when I go to the skip, then it will be gone, which is soon will be disappearing. Well, soon it will disappear. But for now, it is kept at a place until when I'm ready to get rid of it. It would be crazy for my wife to now want to cook oil with oil and come to the kitchen, looks at the new oil and say, nah, you know what? Let me just go all the way out of the house, straight into the garage, get the key, open it up, and then climb to the shelf where I put it, bring it out to use the old oil. That's what sometimes Christians do. We do much more work to go and use the old system of relating with God than actually just reach out, <laughs> hallelujah, just reach out and get that one that is already kept for you in the kitchen. It's just, just she only needs to just do this and the, and the oil is there. But no, 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 no. It feels so easy. Why should it be easy? Grace is too easy. Why should I just do something though? He said, no, no, I'm going to go out of the house because the more I'm working, I feel like I'm exercising. I'm going to go out of the house. I feel like when I'm suffering myself, then I'm serving God. So I'm going to suffer myself. I'm going to go all the way to the garage, climb by my fall. I'm going to get up. The God knows that I'm suffering for him. No, no, no. God doesn't want you to do that. Jesus said, come to me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Don't just keep looking for something that is far away, that this will soon disappear. Amen. I'm going to move on. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, in the new system, we have a better covenant. Okay? What do I mean by system? The system here is a way to, of relating with God. Okay? The old, old system of relating with God, new system of relating with God. In the new system, what do we have? A better covenant based on what God has done. What was the fault with the old system? If you can remember, we read it earlier. <laughs> I'm looking at the person in my room and she's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get her to be awake. I would do this if I'm in a church service anyway. I don't like when I'm in a church and speak to people and they're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, darling. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, so I said <laughs> earlier that, gosh, I need to get a hold of myself. I'm too happy for this message. <laughs> Based on what God has done, 
the old system, the old covenant was faulty, not because of God, it was faulty because the people could not do their own part. Get it? So that means the new covenant, what made it better is it's based on what God himself can do. And the God here is Christ Jesus. The main reason the, the first covenant was faulty, this is already what I've just said, is because it was dependent partially. It's like 50-50. So God kept his own part of it, but the people couldn't keep their own part. All of a sudden, marriage void. That's basically what it is. And so let's look at the old covenant. So you will see on top of your screen there, I'll put, when I'm reading scripture about the old covenant and the new covenant. Okay, just that's the blue thing you're looking at your screen. Then the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me. Bring, all, bring along Aaron and all those names and 70, um, and 70 of El, uh, Israel's elders. All of you must worship from afar. Take note of what I highlighted there. All of you must do what? Worship from afar, from a distance. Don't come close to me. Okay, we'll see why I'm mentioning that. Only Moses alone, only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near, and none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went up down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulation, regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with uh, one voice, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. That is the part of the deal. Let's take note of what I just highlighted there. What did they say they would do? Everything. If you're coming into a deal and you say everything written in this deal, every aspect of it, I will do. Anytime you go out and not do one of that, you have brought fault to the covenant. Amen. You've brought fault to the covenant. So the people were quickly accepting what they couldn't do, but they said, we will do everything, God. We will do it. Of course. Lord, God, um, but the scripture says, then Moses carefully wrote down. I, love, I highlighted that because sometimes when you tell people, write down, they don't want to write down. Write whatever God is saying to you. It's important. God always commands us to write things down. You know, I, let me share something quickly here. Just after having a shower yesterday, and I don't know why, just I had a thought about the message for next week, and I kind of, it felt like God just gave me three points for next message for next week. And I thought in my mind, oh, okay, fine. It's very clear. It's very simple. I'll remember it. And the Holy Spirit just said to me, write it down. Write it down. I had to take my phone, even though I was rushing because I needed to go and do insight. So I had to just type it. Just not type, actually dictate it. Write down whenever God speaks to you. It's very, very important. I just said that for that reason. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar. At the foot of the mountain, he also set up 12 pillars, one of each for the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he, sat, he sent some of the uh, young Israelite men to present, to present bond offering. Basically, they went into, let me just skip a little bit here. They went into bond offering, and Moses drained um, half of the blood uh, from the animal and 
splattered it on the altar. These are rituals they have to do, but take note of the word there, blood. And then he took the covenant, the book of the covenant, which has now been reading, written, and now read loud to the people. And they responded again, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. And then Moses took the blood from the basin. When the people have confirmed with their own words that they will do what the Lord has said, then spilt, uh, splattered the it over the people, declaring, look, this blood, take note, let's read that together, go. This blood confirms the covenant. What confirms the covenant? This blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. Then they went, the, him and the 70 elders went up the mountain. The Lord called them to come to, to him. One thing I want to highlight here is that even when they came to the mountain, those ones the Lord allowed, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in the presence of the Lord, which is interesting. This is all this is a shadow of the old covenant, the, of the new covenant. But guess what? They also ate a meal together with the Lord in the presence of God to mark that covenant. Then the Lord um, told Moses, come, down, come up to me on the mountain, stay there, and I will give you the tablet of stones, which we, we now know is the Ten Commandments. I have inscribed the instructions and, co and commands so that you can teach the people. Who will teach the people? Moses to teach the people. Amen. So I just read that scripture so to show us the old covenant. Let's look at the new covenant. And I call it the new and better covenant. This is what Jesus said to us in the book of Luke. And at this point, I think if you have your communion, get it ready. Because we're going to have this in honor of the new covenant covenant. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. In other words, Jesus knew he was fulfilling a prophecy. He was fulfilling something that was done in the mounts with the Lord, where they had a Passover meal with God breaking, going into a covenant. He says, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took, the, he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, this is, take, take, sorry, take this and share it amongst, among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took another bread, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to them, to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given to you, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, which is what we are doing right now. So again, if you're watching me, you haven't prepared your bread and your wine, get it to the kitchen, get a bread, get some drink. It doesn't have to be wine. If you have wine, fine. Get some drink, and we just want to do this in remembrance of this thing Jesus is about to say. What is Jesus going to say next? After the supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. 
So we're no longer in the old covenant. We are in the new and better covenant. An agreement confirmed in what? They say it loud. In Christ's blood. In my blood, he said, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Friends, what we're doing here is that every time we do communion, we are saying to ourselves, we are no longer in the old covenant. I want that to sink into you after this message today, especially. That every time you do communion, let it be a, remember, a, rem a reminder that you're no longer in the old system. You are in the new system. Amen. If you understand what I'm saying and if you believe what I'm saying, say a loud amen. When you take the wine, when you take the bread, you're saying to God, thank you because I don't belong to the old order. I belong in the new system. I belong in a new way of relating with you. And I will, by God's grace, he will explain more of that through the scriptures today. So friends, why don't you just say the prayers to God in your own words and take the bread and take the wine and give him thanks. And after that, we'll continue the message. That's good. You don't have to do this only on Sundays. You can do this at home, by yourself, with your family. If you want, do it every day. If you want, do it every breakfast. Use it to teach your children. Remember, anytime God gives us some, some sort of tradition to, to <laughs> some sort of tradition to maintain, it is not to put us in some sort of ritual. No, God doesn't want us to be religious and ritualistic. That's not the point. Whenever God says to do, us to do something in remembrance, like baptism, like communion, and few others, he's saying that we should do that. It's a, it, sorry, it's a tool for evangelism. It's a tool for sharing testimonies about God and his goodness. So you can do communion as often as you want. And if someone watching you asks you, why are you doing that? Tell him, my goodness, why shouldn't I be doing it? Do you know what God has done for me? It presents an opportunity to tell your kids, to share to your brothers and sisters about the goodness of God. Amen. Okay, we move on. The new covenant is absolutely flawless because Christ, who made the, the deal, did not falter. That's what makes it flawless. Flawless. The other one was faulty. This one isn't. Why? Because the one who struck the deal, the human who struck the deal, yes, you need to take note that Christ came in a physical body. The human who struck the deal did not make a mistake in one, any shape or form. He lived a flawless life, making the covenant, the covenant perfect. Now let's look at it. So let's look at the point number two. Point number two is a better promise. Hallelujah. We might end here. I will not get to point number three today because of time. A better promise. This is huge. Each covenant has a promise. Each covenant has a promise. So this promise is based on mercy, favor, and love. This new promise is based on, let's say that loud, mercy, favor, and love. Of course, I'm talking about God's mercy, God's favor, God's love, God's goodness, God's kindness, God's anything good you can think of. 
unlike the other promise. What do, why am I saying that? Even though the old promise has mercy, favor, and love, it has other things that was part of it. Watch <laughs> we need to note that the old promise includes curses, not just blessings. Amen. The old promise, which is under the old covenant, had curses in it. Especially if we are unable to keep our own part of the covenant. This is huge. This is different. That's what makes it different. I can go to the blessings that was mentioned in the Old Testament. When I say Old Testament, I'm not talking about, um, when I say Old covenant, co covenant, I'm not talking about Old Testament, New Testament. No, that's don't get into the saying that I don't need to read the Old Testament. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a deal with God. Now, in the deal with God, the old one, I can go to the promises and I'll take the blessing, but the curses doesn't apply in the new. Hallelujah. If you understand what I'm saying, you need to start dancing and break into dance and just know that there's no curse in the new, but it's in the old. All right. Let's read some of it. It's a lot of scripture. I can't read all of it. I'm just going to jump around. So bear with me. Here's a blessing, the, the, the old promise. You see the blue line there, the blue thing there, letting you know what, what we're looking at now. The old promise. If you fully obey, take note of the conditions. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully, not just anyhow, carefully keep all, not some, his commands that I am, I am giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey. Every time he talks about the blessing, there's a condition straight away following it. If you obey the Lord your God, wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. That's powerful. That's beautiful. It goes on to say, the Lord will give you, I'm jumped to verse 11. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your, ancestors to, to, to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time, hallelujah, from the richest treasury of the, of, in the heavens and will bless all the works of you, you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. That's very good news. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, take note of the word, carefully obey them, the Lord will make you head and not tail, and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. If you carefully obey it. You must not turn away from, I highlighted something here, let's say it loud, from any, not, you know, if there's 10 commandments, you cannot miss one. Once you fall out on one, you spoil the covenant. That's the kind of covenant you had in the old. Of the covenant I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. That's the blessing aspect. But it's still in the old covenant. There is a curse that follows it literally in the next verse. 
But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands he decrees, and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses, that's part of the promise, by the way, will come and overwhelm you. Wherever you go, it's literally reversing everything. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be cursed for not what? Obeying all. You obeyed nine, but you missed one, you will be cursed wherever you go. I want to, I'm emphasizing this a lot so we can understand when I talk about the old system and the new system, you see the reason why there shouldn't be any mixture whatsoever. Let's move on. The Lord himself will send you, will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do. Who would do this? The Lord himself. So it's not Satan before someone says, oh, hang on a minute. No, no, no. They, no. The Lord himself, and he's in quotes. God himself is saying, I will send it to you. Why? Because that's the deal he was making with them. Why is he saying that? It's because when he was saying those deals with them, they were saying, yes, we will do everything. Remember, they were saying everything. We will do everything. But when they couldn't do it, this is what they get. Until the last of you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. Do you know how many of us who do evil today? Do you know how many people who abandon God today? My goodness, if we are in the old system, we are doomed. We are absolutely doomed. The Lord will afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Let me pause for a minute there. As you know, Holy Spirit has told me to slow down, so I'm not rushing anywhere anymore. <laughs> the land that left in the land you are about to occupy. Which land are they about to occupy? I need some. The land of the Canaanite, which is called what? The milk and honey. The land is called the promised land. What is that promised land a replica of or a shadow of today? Jesus. In Christ. The Bible talks about the, entering into that land is a land of rest for them. And God is saying to them, that land you're about to go into, I will afflict you with disease and you will never, you have to leave that place. Okay, what that will mean is that if we are in that old system, those who are in Christ now and disobey him, God himself will chase them out of Christ. That's how big this is. You might think I'm making it up. Watch, it's going to get worse. You will grope around in broad daylight like a blind person groping in the dark, but you will not find your way. You will be oppressed, robbed continually. And, and no one will come to save you. A foreign nation you have never heard about will eat your crops. And the crops you worked so hard to grow, you will suffer under constant oppression and harsh treatment. You will go mad because of all the tragedies you see around you. The Lord will cover your knees and legs with incurable boils. In fact, you will be covered with head, from head to toe. You will plant 
and much, you, sorry, you will plant much but harvest little. For locusts will eat your crops. Swarms of insects will destroy your trees and crops. If you refuse to listen to the Lord, your God, and to obey the commands, I'm not even, listen, I'm jumping around. This is way much longer. If you notice, I'm jumping massive verses. It's worse. And decrees he has given you, all these curses will pursue and overtake you until you are totally destroyed. Then the Lord will send you back to Egypt. That means out of Christ, out of the promised land, in, back into the world. Now, you came into, the, I pause, let me pause again. How did they get to, from Egypt to the promised land? Long. It took slow. It was painstaking. It was long before they got to the promised land. No, this time God would do it in a ship. So he would speedily get you out of that promised land. That will mean those of us who are in Christ Jesus, if we are under that old system, when we misobey, disobey God, when we tell, disobey our parents, which is part of the commandments in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, when we tell a lie, when we commit murder, whether it's in our heart or however way, when you uh, commit adultery, when you worship other gods, and many do, which is money, basically. Jesus said, do not, you cannot serve God and money. Um, when you put money first before God, God will speedily get you out of Christ back into the world. That's what this covenant promise is. To a destination I have promised you, would never see again. There will, a destination I say you will never see again. There will, they, there you will offer to sell yourself to your enemies as a slave. But no one will buy you. I know this is doom. This is gloom. <laughs> We're not going to end it. <laughs> it will not be a good place to end. So the new promise does not include any of this promise curses. You need to start rejoicing right now. It doesn't include any curse at all. Because it is based on Jesus who has already not will fulfill the part of that covenant. The covenant has been fulfilled. We're not in the covenant that will be fulfilled. It's a covenant that has already been settled. So it's not you that is striking this covenant with God. No, the covenant has been struck. You're just about to enter in and enjoy the benefits of the covenant. The promises that is in the covenant. You ought to be rejoicing, friends, for hearing this. Look at the, some of those new and better promises. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. No condition for that. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be free. He didn't say if the captives will obey the Lord and hear his voice and hearken to everything and obey. No, no, there's no condition. That the blind will see, no condition. And that the oppressed will be set free. Yet no condition. We will get to that. <laughs> I like that once I read that, in our minds, it's like, no, there's got to be something we have to do. There's got to be something. And you are right. And that will be the end of the message. Even though you know it already, 
If you're a member of Favor House Church, I expect that you know it. But that's just my expectation. If you don't, you're about to hear it for the first time. There is one thing, and I'm going to talk about that one thing at the end of, it will more likely going to be next week now. <laughs> Amen. And it goes on to say, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. What does Lord's favor mean here? God is no longer angry with people. The old promise doesn't, does that, what I just read to you, does not look like an angry person. If you don't do this, I will get the locusts to swipe you. I will destroy you. That sounds like an angry person. God is longer, no longer angry with people. God has favor right now. Why? Because he has found favor in his son, Jesus. And he has loved his son, Jesus. And he has, Jesus has gone through suffering for you and me and bore all the shame and all the pain and made this deal with God, sealed it on the blood of that he shared on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice that there's no condition to being set free or healed. That's something that you want to notice. Let me now read some new promises and better promises. Romans, I love this scripture. We're going to end on this scripture. So now there's no condemnation for those who are aware in Christ Jesus. There is one condition there's one thing you need to do to be in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about it at the end. But those of you who are in Christ already, you are. This promise is for you. And because you belong to God, to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law, it goes on. This is the Holy Spirit explaining to us the difference. The law, what's the law here? Covenant. The law of Moses, the covenant that God had with Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, because of our issues. So God did what the covenant, the law could not do. He sent his own son. You see why God sent God, Jesus? It's actually because of the covenant that he made with his people. He sent his own son in a human body. So a human being has to strike this deal again. Like the bodies. We sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us all. In which body? In that body was, that was represented at the bread you drank, you ate. In that body, you, long, you, you no longer have, you have control over sin right now. If you eat that every day, you can remind yourself that I have control over sin. I can say no to stuff. Amen. By giving his son a sacrifice, uh, as a sacrifice for our sin, he made this so that the just requirement of the Lord law, covenant, would be fully satisfied. Say that with me. The law or the covenant. So the just requirement of that covenant would be fully required. So what did Jesus do? Jesus fully met the old covenant that God had with his people. And based on the fact that he has fulfilled that old covenant, now he struck up a new one. Hallelujah. So it's not like God, it, God just destroyed it and it doesn't matter anymore, all those laws. No, what he did is that he went and undid the mistakes that we made for not fulfilling the covenant we struck up with God, 
When we say to God, we will do everything you said. Jesus went and did everything we said we would do with God. He did it for us and now made a new deal based on his own blood. Amen. Who, uh, so he made this for those who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Let's now read these promises. Hallelujah. Oh, I would love if maybe just get yourself ready because we're going to just go into praise after these promises. Because this is for you if you're in Christ Jesus. And dare I say, before I even read these promises, let me just give an opportunity right now. If you don't be believe in Jesus, if you're not sure that you know God, this is an opportunity for you to have Jesus in your life. Sorry if you, my passion is a little bit over the top. It's because I think I have diamond. I have something that is way much better than anything anyone can offer you in this world. I don't care what that is they want to offer you. Money, gold, silver, wealth, riches, fame, none of that compares to Christ Jesus in your life, the hope of glory. So I'm giving you an opportunity right now to have the best life you can ever have, to secure your future in God, eternity with him. No one should be begging people to come to God as if they are coming, they are losing their life. No, you're gaining. You're losing your old life, but you're gaining a better life. So if you want to receive Jesus, why don't you just believe in your heart right now and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you are the one that made this new covenant for me, which is sealed with a better promise. And I ask you right now to be my Lord. Pray those prayers. I don't have to put those words in your mouth. Pray them right now. Say to God, whatever, however way you want to say it, but say it because the scripture tells us that if you believe in your heart and then you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and He is your Savior and your Lord, you are set free. You are free. You are in Christ already. And now, if you have just done that, if you just say those prayers, the promises I'm about to read to you is yours. And I want you to believe every word I'm about to read right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you for that brother, that sister, that child. That young one. Thank you for that people, those, those ones who will hear this five years from now <laughs> and will break down and start crying and thanking you for the word that you have spoken to them. Thank you because you've actually prepared this word to save someone five years from now. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Father. And I pray for you, young man. God loves you. Although I'm recording this right now, but I'm speaking to you five years old from that time. I'm speaking to you, young man. God loves you so much. The word you're just hearing is for you. You will watch this five years from today and it will bless your socks off. <laughs> Thank you so much, Father. This promise is for you. What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can be ever be against us? You, those who of you who are in Christ Jesus, God is for you, and if He is for you, no one can ever match Him. Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, wouldn't He also give us everything else? Not some things. 
Those promises that was written, he says he will bless you in every way. Everything you do will be blessed. He's repeating it in, through, by the Holy Spirit through Paul. Who there accuses us whom God has chosen for his own? No one can accuse you anymore do that have received Jesus. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Hallelujah. What does that mean? Right standing means you're no longer at fault if you're in Christ Jesus. His faultless lifestyle is now your faultless lifestyle. Although you're still struggling with stuff, but as long as you stay with Christ Jesus and you keep your faith in him and you keep telling him to help you in those mistakes, you are faultless before the Lord, the, the God Almighty. Why? Because he's there to help you. Hallelujah. And why? Because in the scripture we're about to read, you find that Jesus is also interceding for you. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. What is he doing? Praying. God help her. God help him. God restore him. You know I died for this one. God remember I struck a deal. Even if God is about to get angry, God, he will tell God, no, you can't do that. You cannot break your own deal. No, the deal is that I've, I've done it all. So all the scriptures and people who try to tell you God is angry, God is going to smash you, it's God that has made you lose that job because of what you said at your boss. No, 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 no. They are misrepresenting God. They are absolutely misrepresenting God because according to the new covenant, he cannot do that. He will not do it because he's made that deal with Jesus. And if Jesus is there pleading your cause, pleading your case, there's no way God will do it in, disobey, um, in disagreement with Jesus. Hallelujah. Can anything ever separate us from the love, from Christ's love? Does he mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened, in, threatened with death? No, despite all these calamities, despite all this overwhelming victory is ours through who? Jesus Christ. He should be the only focus, not, not Jesus and other things. No, the only focus. Amen. Why? Because he loved us. And I am convinced that when I read the scripture, I always want to do this. I am what? Convinced. This is a chest slapping thing. It's like you're making a deal, making a bet. If you've watched a match and you know who won, and someone says to me and comes to you and say, eh, um, King, do you want to place a bet um, Chelsea will lose this match? And I have watched it and Chelsea beat that team 5 0. Do you think I'll go into that bet confident? Yes, because I know the end already. So I know the deal is done. So that's what Paul is saying here. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. For so those people who like to hear conspiracy theories and doom, none of those things can separate you from the love of God Jesus that you have in Christ Jesus. No power, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, but here's what the bit I love the most. No power in the sky above or in the earth. Below, indeed, 
nothing in all creation. So anything that God created cannot separate you from God's love. That includes you. That includes you. Okay, there is one thing so important to God and we will talk about that one thing next week. Amen. Will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit.